With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. Much has been said about the new tackle below the waist rule. A rule that's been introduced to attempt to lower concussion and head impact injuries. But will the rule changes in its intended design be enough to negate the effects of collision in today's modern game? Personally, I don't think so. Whilst concussion is an incredibly serious issue, I think that taking the game back to the future is essentially using the techniques of our grandfathers learnt without paying respect to the development and progression over the years of the modern day player. I believe this won't be enough to achieve the outcomes the RFU are seeking. But here's three options that I believe make more sense than lowering the tackle height to negate head injuries. Number one, restrict the number of reserves you carry on your bench. With the modern game, athletes are becoming bigger, faster and fitter. Finding a weak link in a defensive line is near impossible. Utilising fatigue as an option to counter-impact injuries makes sense. Instead of replacing tight athletes with fresh ones, make them play 80 minutes, where the impact over time becomes softer and will create more passive tackles. Number two, get rid of the wrestle. Holding players up and grappling creates all sorts of problems, but also allows the defensive line to reset. No wrestle, no reset, no impact. Passive tackles. And thirdly, reward a legs tackler with the momentum shifting to the defending team. For instance, if a legs tackler is complete, the defender then is allowed to jackal unimpeded, and like that of a scrum with no props, the ruck becomes an uncontestable um, uh, ruck, and the defending team receives the ball. This is re- relatively passive and is a reward for good defensive technique. technique. To think that making one rule change won't have many more implications is naive. In my humble opinion, tackling around the waist will create more problems than solutions if the rule changes haven't understood the impact of the change. And returning a modern athlete back to the future to learn how our grandfathers tackled isn't the answer. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. To restrict the reserves, the number of reserves... Will, will limit the collisions and impacts later when they fatigue and these modern day athletes uh, can play 80 minutes. You've got to think of the the props and, and you've got to carry an extra hooker just in case the scrum goes down and things like that. So there's probably that potential, but backs, maybe. Get rid of the wrestle. Get rid of the wrestle. And if you uh, get rid of the wrestle, so what are, you, what are you hoping to see there? The wrestle, if you take the wrestle out, holding up players, slowing the ball down, 
Is that what what kind of you're alluding to there? Yeah. So no, yeah. When you, you know how how players are trying to always hold up and 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 yeah. get the get the turnover. Well, what mm-hmm. people see, what I'm trying to say is that what people don't understand is that an action. So an action creates another action. You know what I mean? Are they and they haven't taken into context all the actions. One of the ones around wrestling, both in both games, rugby union and rugby league, a simple one is that everyone gets set and eyes up and knows exactly where the ball's going. And you'll find if you actually uh, analyse the game, most of the collision would happen after a reset line. Is really solid. You know what I mean? So take away, you know, you've got to take away the action that's creating that and holding up players. I remember a rule when I played, I first came out of first 15. It's funny, I've got a funny story that my dad actually walked on the field when I got injured in the first 15, told me I could never play first 15 again because um, I was playing a rugby league for him, you know what I mean? So what I did was I snuck out of the house on a Saturday. I used to run up to Tikarangi and, and play for the boys, all the second-team boys that couldn't make the Clifton side on a Saturday. And one of the rules they introduced back then was if you got touched and hit your knees, you remember that? So you got touched, mm-hmm. you weren't tackled, and you fell to your knees, you had to let the ball go. Yeah. You know what I mean? And what that did was that actually stopped any other collision around it. It was. I thought it was a really good, um, a really good rule. I remember we played Clifton, and one of my mates, all he had to do, he was playing on the wing because all the Clifton boys were, you know, all the good footballers and all the Tikarangi boys were boys that couldn't make the team. He ran down the sideline, and all he had to do was run to the sideline and score the try. But he decided to run straight at me. I was playing fullback, and I just pushed him, and he fell on his knees, and he slid over the line and put the ball down. The referee said, "No, you got to let the ball go." So, what this this whole concept is? It's like. Reserves, for instance, anyone I had to I had to con- consider any both games really when I was looking at it. Anyone knows that one of the biggest issues you got is across the board when you get tired, you just replace them with a fit player. Mm. And there is it's really hard to break down defensive lines. Well, stop stop replacing them. You know, back in back in the day, mate, you played two reserves in first grade in the NRL, and two of the other reserves came out of second grade that played the game before. So you always got teams at the back end of the game and it was more passive as the game went on. And I just don't, as in my point being, I don't think they've thought um, long and deep enough about the impacts around all the other actions. No, I totally agree. And, and Johnny Sexton's already come out and thinks it's a hell of a stupid idea, and which is crazy. His dad, um, you know, uh, Farrell and, and the coach and, and the sons Owen Farrell and know the struggles he's going through lately. He's been under a hell of a lot of pressure with his tackle technique and shooting out of line. But Johnny Sexton had a slow stab because someone that shoots out of line is Owen Farrell when he shoots out of line, and, and that's when you put your, your body in position. I don't think it's going to work, Kempe. The, the the waist height tackle, you know, I know, Louis, you spoke earlier, you knocked out plenty of times because you go low, you put your head into some really vulnerable positions and you get kneed right in the noggin. And then you look at those two-metre Peter guys going to get low, they're going to struggle. And it just, yeah, I, I, I think this is a pretty erratic decision from the RFU. They've been under a lot of pressure. I think Owen Farrell made that pressure even more. And, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a tough, tough to win clubs over. Is this going to impact? Because I think the reason, we spoke to Ed earlier, the reason is families and, and young kids trying to encourage them to play the game. When they're seeing their players get knocked out and really struggle and, and dealing with concussions, that shies away. So this decision that they're making, probably trying to encourage players to come and play. But, yeah, 
That's a great one. Well, most Kiwis are finally getting a chance to work on their tans. Zoe Sadowski's in it. Probably couldn't care less because instead she is absolutely crushing it in the minus temps. Zoe, over the weekend, won the Lax Open Slope Style World Cup for the first time in Switzerland. It's a significant because Lax, L-A-A-X, is one of the freestyle skiing and snowboarding's iconic destinations. Anyway, you know what they say for winter athletes. Make hay when the snow is falling. So it's straight into the next event for the young Kiwi Flyer, which just so happens to be the Winter X Games this weekend in Aspen, Colorado. Thank you so much for joining us, Zoe. How you doing? Hey, um, I'm doing good, thanks. Just got to Aspen. Had to, uh, you know, fly from Europe to Colorado last last night. So I'm pretty tired, but looking forward to the week. Oh, it's such a quick turnaround. We really appreciate your time coming on the show. Has the buzz worn off yet after achieving what I understand has been a lifelong dream, taking top honours at this event? Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't think it's worn off yet, but definitely need to put it in the background until after this week. Because, um, yeah, the X Games are definitely the biggest event of the season and um, kind of need to stay focused for this one. Hey, yeah. Zoe, were you pretty confident nice. that you had it in the bag after the first run? Um, nah, honestly, not super confident. It was kind of a, it was a funny one on finals day because we had a bit of fresh snow and, um, the speed wasn't super consistent. Um, and it was really hard to make the jump. So in my run, I had to land all my jumps absolutely perfect and just tuck into the next jump Mm. where usually you'd have to shed speed because you'd go too big. And, um, I was stoked that I made it down the course getting over the jump suite. And um, you never really know until um, the event's over. And uh, I qualified in third, which meant I was third last to drop. So I saw Mia and Anna dropping after me. And honestly, those two are amazing. So I I didn't really know how it was going to go. So what is your mindset on your opening runs at these events? Is it Because you, you can't really ease into it, can you? So are, are you trying to just go out there and blast the course off the off the bat? Um, kind of. It's kind of like a bit of um, tactical when you like take into account the conditions and what everyone else is mm. doing. And I had a run that I wanted to do with uh, the back-to-back 1080s, but since the conditions weren't there um, prime on the day, I had to pull it back a bit. So, um, yeah, you don't really know. Uh, how it's all going to turn out was like doing your best run first off or like whatever so I kind of put down um, a medium safety run I'd say and um, I was ideally going to do a 10 in my second run but just didn't feel the speed so yeah Man, that, that takes a lot of preparation so tell us about the preparation when you when you, you go in with a plan and then you get a sudden change in conditions so you're obviously planning for plan A plan B plan C like a lot of adapting out there on the course it takes a hell of a lot of prep to be able to do that yeah for sure I you know you try to like have um, three different kind of runs that uh, you want to like kind of step up each time and depending on mm conditions and stuff you kind of change it around but um yeah I guess for this one I uh yeah just 
I was stoked with the run I put down and obviously wanted to do a bit more in the next one. But, yeah, it just happens sometimes. Hey, Zoe, bouncing straight into the X Games this weekend, how important is momentum and flow when you find form to carry it through to the next event? Um, yeah, it's kind of kind of important. I feel like it's, uh, it works for me uh, in the season, like carrying the momentum um, into events. So I hope that means I'll do well and I hope that I've put in enough work over the last year um, to back up my two goals. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited. The course looks super sick and everyone's riding super well, so it'll be fun. All right, this is a question only you could probably answer. But how does a World Cup win compare to an X Games gold or compared to an Olympic gold? Like, Elliot, which one is... How do you weigh that up? Which one's more important to yourself? Um, that is a really, really hard one. Um, <laughs> I guess it depends on a lot of different circumstances, but Olympics and X Games are honestly pretty close together. Um, and then World Cup, a bit lower, but the Larks Open has to be the one World Cup that you dream um, of winning in your career because of the history behind it and the prestige. So, um, But yeah, X Games is definitely the event that I'm most excited for this season. Hey Zoe, how do you, how do you celebrate? Like when you win something, you know, on the world stage, such as a World Cup, like... What what do you and you know you've got the X Games coming up just around the corner. How do you actually celebrate? What what do you what are the things that you get out there and do to to say, oh man, I I really need to enjoy this one. Um, good question. Um, usually uh, there are after parties for these events. Um, <laughs> yeah. But when you're doing back to back to back events, you kind of have to um, you know manage uh, your energy and stuff like that so um you know have a couple of drinks but kind of keep it low key and um this is this is the biggest event so hopefully celebrate after this week well hopefully you have some success what's tour life like for a snowboarder on the on the circuit yeah can you give us a little inside look to what you get up to for your free time obviously you'd be training extremely hard but you must get away from the snow because i i hate the cold i'll be honest i hate it so i don't know how you can just follow <laughs> the snow around <laughs> yeah it's uh it is pretty gnarly but um you know we do train a lot and usually it's freezing mm. so when you get back from the hill um uh you know hang out with the other competitors or your friends and stuff um because we, we're all friends now on tour. I've been doing it for a few years. And uh, at the moment, I travel around with the football, and that keeps me pretty entertained. Um, and, yeah, spy outside in winter is next level, so I try to do that as well. Man, what about life for you, Zoe? Like, you're, you're the ambassador for FIFA World Cup. You know, like, you've just been named New Zealand Order of Merit over the holidays. That must have been pretty surreal. So life has changed drastically for Zoe, but has Zoe changed at all? Still the same humble Wanaka. Um, yeah, I don't think I've changed too much. Um, obviously, after the Olympics, a lot more opportunities arise and... That is super exciting and very grateful for that. Um, but I try to keep it super 
mellow and stick to um, mm. stick to who I am. So yeah, I don't think so. Beautiful. All right, we're gonna we're gonna have to let you go shortly. But just one more quick question: goals and aspirations. You've done it all, and you've done plenty. So what what drives you? Is there something that you're really striving for that you want to achieve this year? Yeah, for sure. I I guess this week, um, backing up, uh, winning X, mm. two X Games golds would be um, a huge dream to come true for me. And I guess um, at the moment I've kind of won every event that I've wanted to win in slope style and big air. And now it's looking at like trying to trying to like repeat those wins and. Um, also looking at performance and trying to put down those tricks that no one's ever done. Um, and then also outside of Slipstyle Big I do natural selection um, and to get into the Alaska stop and win the overall for that is a huge goal of mine. And um, yeah, hopefully this year, but if not, I mean, I've got my whole career, so yeah. Uh, you're only young. You're only a spring chicken. And I'm just having a wee giggle here because I remember your dad. He was such an icon at the, at the games. All his interviews on TV. How are the, how are the olds doing? The parent, your dad, mate, he was an absolute character. I, I love seeing him on TV. Enjoying life and enjoying your success. Yeah, for sure. He absolutely um, was frothing after that one. Um, still hasn't really, like, uh, he hasn't really come down back down to earth from that one, um, but he, yeah, he's my biggest supporter, and uh, my parents are uh, always my biggest supporters. So glad to have them. Um, you know, they'll be watching this week. So yeah, grateful. Oh, awesome! Well, I look forward to having a champagne with him one day, mate. He looks like a hell of a hoot. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks so much, Zoe. <laughs> And congratulations on the World Cup. Oh, All God. the best in Aspen for the X Games, and, and thanks so much for finding time for us. Really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you, guys. Zoe Sadowski, Senate, a global superstar, and she's only so young, starting her career, and 81.30 on her first run, and you'd think she was saying uh, at the World Cup, Kimpy just probably wouldn't have been enough, but um, I loved how she spoke about the adapting. Mm. You know, you can go in with a plan, and everyone plans for every, uh, has a plan, but the plan might not go the way that you want it to do, and that is the difference between good and great. And India have this morning again proven why they will be favourites to win their home 50-over World Cup, claiming top spot in the world rankings at the expense of our Black Caps, who unfortunately slumped to a 3-0 series defeat, setting a whopping 385 to chase for the Black Caps. It proved too much, despite a huge Conway ton. Ultimately, India winning by 19 runs. Devin Conway has been good enough to jump on the phone with us now for a quick debrief. G'day, Dev. Uh, just quickly, mate, how are the hey, spirits? Yeah. Obviously not what you're after. Yeah, certainly, Izzy. You know, I think we're we're a little bit disappointed. Um, you know, it's, it's not it's not always nice walking away from a mm. series loss. Um, so yeah, we're a little bit disappointed. But um, yeah, we've got to give credit to, to India with the way they played over the last three games, and we'll take those learnings um, into the future. Mm. Hey, morning, Dev. It's Kempe here, mate. Just um, those those learnings. What do you think you've learned through these uh, one day one day internationals? 
Yeah, I think um, in terms of the learnings, um, in terms of the batting batting performance, we we probably learned that we needed like hold on to partnerships a lot better. Um, you know, mm. we we lost quite a few wickets up top too too often and allowed their bowlers, you know, to put us under pressure for long periods of time and. That way, we weren't able to sort of, you know, put put the attack under under pressure. Um, and I think with the ball as well, um, you know, with the way uh, Rohit and Shipman played throughout the series, um, you know, the pressure that they put on our bowlers is, is, is some of the learnings that we can take in the batting unit moving forward, especially here in the subcontinent. Well, someone like Rohit Sharma and Shubman Gill was yourself, mate. You batted extremely well. You got yourself in. So, what was what was your messaging to, to the fellow batsmen coming in? I know Henry Nichols put on a a wee solid uh, batting partnership as well. But how were you over to, able to overcome the pitch and, and the bowling um, that was coming towards you? Yeah, I think um, you know personally, it was about trying to get through that that early that early period with the new ball swinging. Um, you know, Hardik mm. Pandya was swinging it both ways, so it made it pretty challenging for us. Uh, to put them under pressure, but we sort of said, you know, if we just get through the next, you know, eight eight to ten overs, that ball won't swing it as much, and then we'll be able to put our foot down and put them under pressure. Um, it was nice to have that partnership with Henry Nichols at the other end, you know, he hit the ball really well, um, and, and we put them under pressure. We just unfortunately lost wickets at bad periods, and we weren't able to sort mm. of take the, the game as deep as we'd like to. Dev, what's the, what's the main difference with the Indian wickets compared to um, down here, what can what can you tell our listeners um, that the main difference is up there? Yeah, I think the the main difference is just the amount of bounce that these surfaces have. Um, they're slightly skiddier, slightly lower in bounce, which makes it a little bit more of a challenge, or or it's more of a surprise to what we're used to um, in terms of facing seam. And then with the spinners, um, it, there are some balls when they bowl it quicker, it sort of skids on, and then when they bowl it slightly slower, it sort of grips and turns. So um, those sort of different clues are very subtle and hard to pick up on as a batter, but um, the more and more you play on these surfaces and the more and more you get exposed to that sort of bowling, it, it, it can only advise well for you in the future, you know, in subcontinent conditions. Yeah, we spoke to Millsy yesterday. It is quite a difficult task, particularly when you haven't been over, uh, over in India for a while and uh, being able to face those conditions. Just without Tim and, and Kane in the mix for this Indian tour, did you find yourself chipping in from a leadership perspective? Um, yeah, I think subtly. Sort of just felt like all of a sudden, you know, I've got more to offer, especially to the group, because we're such a young group and, and inexperienced mm. as well without those, those guys, along with Balti as well. It sort of felt like it was my duty to try and pass information on whenever I could. Um, you know, if that were to be help with, with that, uh, other batters or whether it be sort of talking to some of the younger bowlers coming in, what might be effective on a certain surface, that's what I tried to do. Um, I probably could do more of it as well. You know, I haven't played a lot of international cricket personally, but, you know, if we can find ways um, as a young gr- group um, to, to pass on information and share, that's probably beneficial for our group. And how important is that experience, um, Dev, for those young, those, especially those young bowlers to get uh, on these international tours? Yeah, I think it's brilliant. You know, I think if you look at uh, Duff Man coming in today, um, you know, Blair Tickner as well, these guys mm. are just going from strength to strength playing in these, in these games. You know, I think all three games that we've played at, the, the crowd and the, the atmosphere has been unreal. Um, 
you know, not something that we're used to, you know, playing in front of 60,000 60, plus in the last game and a full house here tonight. It just makes it, makes it so, so much more enjoyable. And, um, yeah, it's just for them, the learnings to bowl under pressure is, 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 pretty, some, is pretty good. When you're talking about bowling, I was reading this morning, 212 runs opening partnership from India off 26 overs. So you're staring down the barrel nearly a half a 500 runs chasing there, but you, you, you managed to wrangle them in. Obviously, that would have been part of the plan, knowing the importance of Shubman Gill, like his stats, 360 runs in this series. Pretty scary numbers. So was there a, was there a nice, solid plan, or were they just very difficult and hard to get out over in India? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the way they started was um, pretty unreal. <laughs> they put our boys under mm. some serious pressure. And the, the way they batted um, sort of took us a little bit off guard, to be deadly honest with you. Um, you know, we were hearing yeah. at probably 400 plus at one, at one moment. But I think, you know, as a group, when we, when we got to our first drinks break, we, we sort of mentioned to each other that, listen, we need to just hang in here, continue, you know, good body presence, good... Um, Mm. pressure on their batters for long periods of time and when we get when we get that breakthrough let's put the new batter, batter under pressure that way we can sort of creep the, the game back into our favor but you know the way those two open the batting put us put us in a in, in a real spot of bother yeah it'll be frustrating as anything if you're putting it in good spots and you're getting pumped over the boundaries i can only imagine tough tough when you're facing uh when you're bowling against those quality players but just quickly before we let you go dev Three two twenty starting this weekend. How determined will the boys be to get some reward for a lot of hard work on this tour? Yeah, no, we're certainly looking forward to that. You know, different format for us. It's very exciting. You know, played a fair bit of white ball cricket over the last three weeks. So, I think the T twenty stuff um, for us will be will be certainly very exciting um, and just another fresh start for us to sort of bounce back after this series defeat. They just. Before you go, don't be humble about this, but you must be pretty chuffed with your own personal performances. Like, week in, week out, you're looking quality. Apart from the second ODI, it was a tough night for everyone involved, but you must be pretty chuffed with how things are going for your international career. Yeah, I think, you know, personally, I'm obviously pretty happy with the way things are, but, you know, I'm not trying to just be humble here, but I feel like, you're always wanting to contribute and, um, you know, get the team across the line. So, you know, I'm sitting back here pretty happy with how things went today, but still a little bit frustrated that I wasn't able to get the boys across the line. And, you know, those are the things that mm. just keep keep you motivated and keep you wanting to improve moving forward. Never, never content, mate. Love it. Appreciate your honesty, uh, Devin Conway. And uh, all the best for the next couple of T20s taking place this weekend. We're right behind you live here on SNZ, brother. Thanks so much. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Well, we spoke snow sports last hour, so we thought we may as well continue with the winter sports theme today and talk some code. Super Rugby, believe it or not, is only a month or so away, and the Highlanders are adding an international flavour this year to try and return to where they believe they should be on the table. This week, they unveiled their new English playmaker, Freddie Burns, who will bring a real edge of class and stability down south, and working with them closely, no doubt, will be fellow Englishman and new attack coach Richard Whiffen. Richard is on the line with us now to talk about the year ahead for the Landers. Morning, mate. How you doing? Very good, thank you. Yourself? 
Yes, very good. Up and about. It's a beautiful day here. What's the weather like down in Dunedin? No doubt be sun is shining as well. Yeah, mate, it's an it's a, a, a done as stunner as I've, uh, I've learned uh, over the last couple of weeks. It's been lovely since I've been down there, mate. So, yeah, sunny. It's all good. Beautiful. Mate, how's the transition been for yourself, Richard? Obviously, you coached at the World Cup with the Wales women's rugby team, and then you've been asked by Clark Dermody to come out and, and have a crack in, in the Highlanders setup, mate. Have you found the transition? Yeah, it's been it's been awesome, mate. Um Really enjoying it. Players have, have, have bought into into the philosophy and the principles that we're you know trying to trying to put in place, and um, I think they're enjoying uh, slightly different uh, in, environment and and, and learning um, different ways to, to to strike and to play. Um, but in, in terms of from my end, it's just uh, it's been a bit of a whirlwind, but. Um, yeah, loving every minute of it so far. Hey, Richard, attack coach, and I've always wanted to ask this question: what What do you think the difference is between the northern hemisphere and the southern hemisphere that um, you can bring down here, especially implementing with the landers? Um, I think uh, very, very quickly you can see um, the difference around set piece and and the, the, the game management. Um, I think they're areas that um, you know some of those. Uh, traditional um, pillars of the of the northern hemisphere game. Um, the the speed down here is a lot quicker in terms of um, the the transition element, and there's a, there's a lot more focus in and around the the counter attack and turnover. Um, and so I think from from my end, it's it's almost bringing a balance um, of the stuff that's already ingrained down down here um, in Super, and especially um, with the Highlanders, and and almost just trying to um, add a, a, a different flavour and give give the guys a, a, a different understanding of, of how we can um, you know, build our way up the field and, um, and and play ultimately where the space is. Now you got Clark Dumity, you got Tom Donnelly, you got yourself. You got a really young uh, and ex- you know you've had you've been experienced but relatively new coaching group. How has Clark Dumity taken over the, the the coaching role? And does he is he a bit more of a is he a hands-on head coach, or does he allow you guys to go out there and just coach the way that you can coach? Yeah, no, he, he, he's he's been awesome, um, and he gives gives us pretty pretty good autonomy in our areas. Um, you know, he's um, he he knows how he wants the the game to be played, uh, and but but in terms of us having um, you know our own reign of our of our of our ship, you know, we're we're in charge of that. But as a as a group, um, there's there's good collaboration. You know, we're there's a real um, drive from all of us to, to co-coach and to coach in the moment on, you know, if, if it's a defensive element that, that, you know, we're coaching both sides of the ball and, um, you know, Tom Donnelly, Ricky Flute in the background are, are picking up little bits yeah. and pieces uh, uh, as and when we go through. So it's definitely a collaborative um, coaching environment that, that's, um, you know, I'm really enjoying There's There's, um, you know, there's some really healthy debate in the, in the coaching office and, um, <laughs> it, it, it's it's getting it's getting um, yeah we're seeing it transfer onto the training field. Well, I'll tell you what, Tom Donnelly isn't short of a word. Me, he's got plenty to say. I played with Tom, <laughs> so Sassy, Sassy, with plenty to say. Hey, quick, I'm just read off some names: Marty Banks, Mitch Hunt, Cam Miller, yes. and you got Sam Gilbert that could potentially fill that ten role. Now you've gone out and got Freddie Burns. How and why did this come about, mate? And what's Freddie going to offer to this outfit? Um, well, I think you know. To, to start with, we have to be realistic around 
um some of the you know um mitch and 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 uh yeah. and marley hadn't played for a while and you know there's there's mm. um they're both too fair on their on their way back and tracking really well and yeah we got we hope those guys will, will be good to go for the year um and then with yep. cam you know you've got someone who's got uh got massive potential and he's going to be a huge player for the for the highlanders um going forward in his career but um the opportunity that you know with, with that that arose with freddie being available um you know he's he's got bags of experience, international experience. You know he, he he led the he led the Tigers to to victory last year in the in the Prem, um, and 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 also someone that um, he's got that attacking flair. So he'll suit Super Rugby. Um, that's his that's nice. his sort of go to. But he's but I suppose his last three or four years at Leicester have really I think um, built his game management and his understanding uh, um, around that. So I think he'll come down and. He'll he'll fit in really well with the boys, um, and he'll just be able to um, complement those those other tens that that we've mentioned um, to, to you know to, to to improve us as a as a squad and and to and to drive our our understanding of how we want to play. Hey Richard, fresh eyes on the Landers coming in. Who's impressed you? Um, I've been massively impressed with Sam Gilbert. You mentioned him earlier. Um, yeah. You know, guy, you know, big, tall, powerful uh, man who um, dominates the, the the air, but real subtlety in his game. That um, mm. you know, from me, you know, scouting the team last year, um, you know, he played a number of different positions. But I think he's got a he's got real potential to, to to really hopefully nail down that that 15 jersey, but a 15 that that can really be someone that threatens the line as a first receiver as well in face play. So. Um, massively impressed with with Sam and and what he's um, what he's offered so far. Mate, you got firepower all over the park, and someone I'm excited to hopefully come back and and tear it up and have a big 2023 is uh, Falau Um How's he tracking, yeah. mate? And, and just quick, I've been watching the socials. You've been working probably hardest out of any other teams. Extremely <laughs> hard. You're working weekends sometimes. <laughs> Is that kind of the signs that of the kind of style of game you want to play? Ball and play and play fast and, and play everywhere? Sporadic? Yeah, hundred percent. Like we want we wanna um yeah, we want our boys to be the fittest in the competition um, and we want us to be able to, to test teams and take and take them deep into the well. So um yeah, the boys have been they've been uh, into some dark places uh, over the last few weeks and <laughs> I think that's that's uh, allowed us you know, they've been working hard in and around the, the the gym and their, their off-feed stuff, which has allowed us as a whole new group of coaches to, to get a lot more coaching time on the grass with the with the lads, which has been awesome. Um, and then back to your first question around Falau, um, he's tracking well. Um, you know, he's he's back. He's he's on the training field. He's he's um, he's in our fifteen on fifteen. So you know, he's he's worked really hard on on his on his rehab. And you know, he was obviously with the with the ABs the last couple of days. Um, so you know he's you know he's tracking well for 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 being available for for the season. So you know he is a weapon that um, that we want to be able to use. Hey Richard, looking at Super Rugby, where is a I guess from your perspective as a, as a coach, where is uh, there somewhere in the competition that you can look to expose? Um, I think there's there's massive opportunity, especially with the with the the new interpretation stroke laws that the. The refs are gonna are gonna bring in like I think um, already yeah with, with with them the defensive nine having to having to stay but behind the tunnel um, you're gonna start yeah. seeing a lot more uh, playable ball off scrum 
Um, I think you're going to see a lot more uh, uh, interaction with your eights off the off the base. So I think not necessarily weakness of the comp- or opportunity of competition. I think the fact that they open the the laws up, I think you'll see a much better brand off the off the back of scrums. Um, nice. Which you know, we all know is one of the best ball to to play from, and um, hopefully you know that 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 will open up open up the game even more. Beautiful, mate. Beautiful. Look, I'd be remiss of me not to ask this question. It's been exposed all over the world, and you come from up there, so I've got to ask you the waist height tackle rule, mate. What's your thoughts yeah. on it? Um, uh, you know, I've I've I was shocked when it came out, and obviously listened to all the podcasts that have been going around about it. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's disappointing from, from my end. I think it's going to turn a lot of, you know, I've, I've got, I've got a lot of mates still in the, the UK that play, um, you know, uh, low level, low level, uh, rugby just, you know, with their mates just to get out on a Saturday afternoon and, and, and the general consensus is, you know, they're, they're not, they're not too, too fussed about playing a game where, you know, they can't, they can't rip in in the tackle. So, um, I think it, it seems like it's a decision that, or it's been an issue within the pro game that they've kind of put on the amateur game, which I'm not 100 percent sure where. And I, they, they'll, they'll, Is it all know, unfair? they'll, I'm sure they'll have their reasonings. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, he's, um, <laughs> he's been in tackle clubs. He's been in tackle clubs. So yeah. He'll be fine. Yeah, I like, um, I like nah. So I think, um, <laughs> I think, I think it's a big, big decision that um, whether there might be some unintended consequences off the back of it will be. Uh, will be the, the, the interesting one. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think it's pretty um, drastic and, and rash, rational um, yeah. decision they've had to make. And just out of nowhere, and they've made it for, for one reason only, and that's the international, the pressure that they were on, I feel. And it's affected the community. Yeah. And without the community, there won't be any international, Richard, mate. Hey, uh, appreciate your time this morning. And uh, from what I'm hearing... I think the Hollanders are going to have a great season. I know it's just a start, but uh, showing signs early. Uh, thanks so much, Richard, and uh, all the best for the rest of the season, mate. Yeah, no worries. Cheers, guys. Thank you very much. There he is, Richard Whiffen. He's the tech coach for the Hollanders, and uh, very refreshing. Mm. Very refreshing. They can learn a lot. Um, it'll be a difficult task coming down here, like you you think can be at the set pieces probably put to the back. It's playing open. It's playing a bit of a unstructured style of play, and they're really structured up in the north. So bringing those philosophies down under and and getting the buy-in from the players, um, I, I hope yeah it unfolds and things go well for them. Yeah, well, well new different young styles. Coaching set up. Yeah, different mm. styles like you're talking about, Northern Hemisphere. So he's definitely going to bring something down um, from that part of the world. Just like the Warriors, mate, they've, they've done the same by bringing Richie Agar down um, from the English game, bring fresh eyes to the organisation. Uh, what I liked, what I really liked, was they wanted to be the fittest team in the competition. If you're the fittest team in the competition, you, as you know, you're able to um, go out there and do what the co- what the coach wants you to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and on... On, as the season goes on on a regular basis. So if they get that part right, that's obviously the pinnacle where they've, they've set the, the, the bar. Um, they, they obviously are thinking that the rest will follow. So uh, fuck a Tava too, mate, coming back from that knee injury in the 15, 15 on 15. So he, basically mm. when he said that, he's meaning contact. Um, wow. Oh, yeah, he'll be in there. Unbelievable. Anyone loves contact, Falao Fakatava loves it. Mate, he's, he no, he doesn't shy away from hard. it. <laughs> he might be working extremely hard. But yeah, just on that, Kepi, the fittest team, it just rings bells from 2015 when 
Jamie Joe was in there and he was thrashing the lads. They were doing a thousand down and ups a day and just working extremely hard. But the messaging was quite on point. I think the messaging would be similar. I know Clark Dermody would have been in there mm. uh, at that time. No one likes us. We're not a team of superstars. We don't have uh, game breakers. We don't. He'll be just trying to really get the best out of these players, getting them on edge, and tell them no one respects us. We're going to work harder than anyone else, and we're going to outwork teams. And look what they had in 2015. They went to the capital and got their first championship. So, ooh, watch the space. I wouldn't want to be in there. And uh, I've done a few pre-seasons, but I've heard this one is absolutely uh, freakish. So, look, I'm going to shoot off because I'm going to come back. I did a little bomb squad uh, on the pre-season, what it's involved, what it entails. And if you don't do the mahi, the the kind of things that will happen to you going forward. It's going to be a long, long season. So that was Richard Whiffin coming back with my bomb squad. Izzy's bomb squad. The pre-season grind. The grind that is pre-season for rugby players is well and truly underway. And for some, it can be a cruel awakening for what can be a long season ahead. If you haven't done the mahi, over the off-season, many would have seen the All Blacks yesterday running a test called a Bronco. Run 20 metres and back, run 40 metres and back, and then run 60 metres and back. And you repeat that five times. And depending on your position, what position you are on the field, you'll have times to hit. So my best time, I'll give you, I recommend, I'll ask you, go have a crack if you think you can beat us, 4 minutes 40 Four minutes forty. So anything under four fifty is good for uh, outside back. And I think the quickest I've heard is Bowden Barrett around four minutes ten, which is crazy. crazy. So go have a crack if you think you can have a uh, you can beat Bodie four ten or myself four forty. Followed by that, it's straight into the weights room where you'll be put through plenty of agility and speed drills like a five meter, ten meter sprint, and that is timed and. You've got to get timed and hopefully you can pass it. Then there's plenty of strength testing in the waste room. People think time off over summer is chill and relaxed, but players will be given programs which will include three to four running sessions a week and three to four gyms, which you can do in your own time. Plenty of trust goes into this, and that is why the testing is vitally important for the season. Running sessions will include, this is basically what I did. I did 150-meter repeats on the 90-second return around. Got to do it on the field, so there's a, uh, so there's a turn in, involved. So you might do that in a minute or minute 10, you get 20 seconds rest. You do that 10 times, and you take a minute break between the 10, and then you do another 10, and you might do three sets, and you just continue to go. Uh, and then there's a broken Bronco. Broken Bronco is what I just spoke about, but you've got to go on the minute. So you run 20 back, run 40 back, run 60 and back, and that'll take 50 seconds, and you do that five times. You have 10-second rest and do it five times. And then something that's a little bit off the feet, there's always plenty down and ups, but a walk bike, walk bike session. If you've got a bike at home, and I use a walk bike, they're very, very good. So you do 21-kilometer sprints, trying to max out every rep. So you jump on the Watt bike, you try and do one kilometre sprint in about a minute 15, jump off, you have a minute rest, and then you go again. And you do that 20 times. And you're trying to maintain the same time throughout the session, otherwise it's uh, Gilly, Nick Gill will be screaming in the air, and it's <laughs> horrible. 
Jeez, all this chat's giving me nightworm nightmares. Ford's <laughs> programs will vary from the backs. Although it hurts like hell, these pre-seasons are put in, a place, uh, put in place for a reason. And I'll leave you with this quote. It's one I love. Pain is weakness leaving the body.